Amen, amen, amen. Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse number 8. Now, what we're going to be looking at this morning is a prayer that the Apostle Paul has for the church. This prayer is an amazing insight into the desire of the apostle. Now, an apostle or a pastor's true desire is that we grow in the faith. That we are cultivating our walk with God. And if any person is not willing to cultivate their walk with God, they're not going to experience that deeper life that God has for them. They're going to either pretend their way through it, fake their way through it, or deny its existence. But if you are willing to be cultivated and sculpted by the hand of God... God will minister to you. Now, the apostle, so he's going to pray this prayer, and it's a prayer of cultivation. It's a prayer of cultivation. And, and you know, it's an amazing thing because a lot of people could have just taken this epistle and, and just not even listened to it. When, when, when the preacher of the church in, in, in Philippi stood up, you know, the people there, some of them might have even tuned out. Some of them might have been talking about this and talking about that. But there were some that were hungry for God. They listened to the word of God that came from the pen of the Holy Ghost. And it changed their life. And God is the same God today. The anointing is still dripping all upon the word today. It is still powerful and quick today. And if we come to God with a heart to listen and receive, God can change our lives today still. God's arm is not short. Amen? Amen. He don't grow gray hairs. He doesn't yawn. Amen? He's not tired. He's not weary. Now, he might be tired of you, but he's not tired. He's not tired. Come on now. So Philippians chapter number one, beginning in verse number eight. Uh, and, and again, this is the, the, the epistle of joy written from prison. Can't do that. It takes the power of God to do that. Can't do that in your own strength. So, you know, sometimes you might feel like you're in a prison of your circumstances. Amen. You may not have the ability to change the circumstances. You know what? The Apostle Paul, he could have confessed and confessed and confessed, but he was shut in that prison until the Lord let him out. He could have quoted scripture, confessed it, memorized it, regurgitated it like a, or like a robot. But it wasn't going to change the circumstance till God was done. And later on, he still lost his head over it. So it's in the circumstance that you can walk with God no matter the situation of your life. God is good in the hill and the valley. Ask Israel's enemies about that one. God is the God of the hill and the valley of our lives. And until you understand that, you're going to only expect God on the hilltop and never walk with God in the valley. And God is there with you no matter whether you're on the hill 
or the valley. And here in, in a valley of circumstances, the apostle Paul uh, picks up the pen under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he writes to the church, look at verse number eight. He said, for God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Now, notice number one, the issue that he's writing about, he didn't say, he didn't say, I hope that you, you know, have more money. I hope that you have a better life. He said, I hope, I pray that your love would abound. Number one thing that his heart was after was that their hearts are right with God. Right? It's not about your service. It's not about your sacrifice. It's about what you bring to God from the hearts that you abound in love toward God. And do you know that until you see the cross rightly, until you see God rightly, you're not going to love rightly? It's only by the eyes of faith that you can love God. God said that you the greatest commandment is to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And look what we bring to God. We often give God our second best at best. When God has commanded, remember, Lord, what is the greatest commandment, not suggestion for how to have a better life? The greatest commandment from God is to love God. It is not a suggestion on how to have a happier home. It's not a suggestion on how to have a better life. It is a command from the throne of God to the people he created to love him. And the only way that you would love him is when you see what he did for you on the cross. It strips away the flesh. It strips away misconceptions. It rights wrongs. You can get cloudy vision when you start looking at other people, when you start living comparative lifestyles, when you start looking at the Joneses and, and everybody else. You can get cloudy vision when you listen to the wrong voice, but when you look to God, he clears out all the minutia. The day burns bright. When you look at the cross. So he said here that I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. Do you know that love is the great motivator of the soul? Any service to God that is not born out of love, what is it? It's flesh. It's flesh. Any service, listen. 
any service, whether you're opening a door, whether you're, whether you're serving in the parking lot committee, whether you're uh, giving out food to anybody, whether you're going out and sharing, the, whatever you do, if it's not done out of love for God, it's from the flesh. The love of God is the motivator of the soul, and only God knows the motivation of the heart. Only God knows why we do what we do. Amen? And only God knows whether we're given second best or whether we're giving him the best of what we have out of love and devotion for him. You know that worldly love is circumstantial, right? Worldly love is I'll love you as long as you love me. I'll treat you good as long as you treat me good. I won't talk about you so long as you don't talk about me. I'll, I'll do this for you so long as you do that for me. Worldly love is circumstantial. Worldly love says, you know what? I've about had it up to here with you. Worldly love says, hey, you know what? You cross that line, I'm done. That's worldly love. The world will eat you up and spit you out when you no longer fit its mold. But God's love is different. God's love is not circumstantial. It's substantial. God's love is substantial in the fact that it is based on the fact that he is love. He is love. And he loves those that he created. And when it came to the point where sin entered into the human race, God made a plan. He sent the Son to bear our sin on dark Calvary. Everything that had been written against you was transferred to him. And every good thing about him was transferred over to you. That in him, you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Only when, only when he's your Lord and Savior. When you Go to the cross and receive what he did for your sins. Amen? It's an amazing thing because the world's love is circumstantial. A lot of times people try to bring in the, 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 the world's love into the church. I believe that this is the greatest reason why there's so many different kinds of books about, you know, how to have a godly marriage. Love God. You, you keep him first. Keep him first, right? Keep him first. I would write like a one-paragraph marriage book. Love Jesus more than anybody else and love that other person more than anybody else. That's it. You can't do that. You can't have a godly man home. That's it. Everything else is about, you know, everything else is... is is smoke and mirrors. Because if the person's not willing to love God more than anyone else, right? I can't live without you. What? I can't live without Jesus. You can live without somebody else. It's Jesus you can't live without. Till you get that down, you can't get it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you when you find contentment in Christ, in Christ alone. If you try to find contentment in a person, it is flaky. Amen. 
because people flake out. But in Christ, you can find true contentment and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you when you find your contentment in him. Everybody quotes that verse, but they don't quote the context of the verse. The strength that you find in Christ is found in contentment in him. Read the verse in front of it. Worldly love is circumstantial. It, 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 is, it is conditional. It is, if you do for me, I'll do for you. All right? This is a famous thing in the world today, quid pro quo. You do for me, I'll do for you. That's worldly love. It's circumstantial. It's not from God. God loved you and he did for you whether you accept it or reject it. It's there ready for your taking. You can be all that God wants you to be today or you can stay in the shell and be a hermit. God has so much available for his people when you come by faith, when you come with a surrendered heart to the cross. God's love is not circumstantial. It is substantial. It's based on who he is. Who he is. But why? Why is the Apostle Paul writing about this love in this way? Understand, though, understand before we get, get going in this, abounding love. Abounding love is not, well, you know, I feel it. I feel it. Abounding love, it, it means that you're cultivating your walk with God. It's, it means that you're cultivating what motivates your heart. An abounding love grows each day and each year. An abounding love loves Jesus more today than yesterday. It means you're more, listen, it means you're more devoted to Jesus today than yesterday. If you don't have that abounding love, there's a problem. You, you should have more love and more devotion day by day with God. And when we don't, there's a problem. It means that something else has entered into the equation. It means that there is something else that has entered in where it's supposed to just be you and Jesus. You brought in another lover. You've brought in, you've brought in someone else into the relationship that you and God are supposed to have. See, our hearts, our devotion should be toward him first primarily more than anyone else. Our allegiance should be to him first primarily more than anyone else. We should give him. Look, remember what Jesus said? What is the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And most people today only give God the leftovers. You ask somebody to serve God out of their heart, not out of their flesh, oh, you get that. But God's looking, God's looking for those that are willing to be abounding in love, that are willing to let go of this life, this world, the, the circumstances that this life brings upon us, and to look past all that and to look at how beautiful he is. He is beautiful whether you see it or not. He is worth it whether you know it or not. He is. He really is. 
the beauty of Jesus Christ is enough for your soul from this day to the day he calls you home. If you need more than that, there is a problem. If you've got to have the biggest truck, the best car, a bigger home, a better business, a better politician, a better this, a be if you need more stuff in order to think that God loves you rather than just seeing how beautiful he is and the fact that he bought, he bought you, he purchased you with his own blood at Calvary. He purchased he purchased you. He purchased you with his own blood. Can you imagine for a minute, just think, when, when maybe there's been a time in your life where you cooked a great meal for a loved one, where you sacrificed, where you poured your heart and soul into it because you wanted to bless them, right? You said, be here at 5 o'clock. I'm going to cook a great meal for you. 5 o'clock comes, they don't show up. 5.30 comes, they don't show up. 6 o'clock comes, they don't show up. 7.15. Well, you know, I went and ate at McDonald's, and uh, I knew that you were cooking for me, but I, I had to go get this, and then I was going to go do that, and I had to run an errand, and then, you know, but I wanted to come anyways. That person would feel like, you're giving me leftovers. You're giving me your second best. You're not, giving, you're not giving me what I want from you. And you see, I, I, it's a poor comparison because God did more than make a great meal for us. He gave us, he gave us redemption at the cross. And yet all we can do is give God our second best, our leftovers, whatever we have left at the end of the day. He's worth so much more. He's worth so much more. How is it, how is it that God can do something so great as Calvary and we can give something so small as our leftovers at best? You know, we're radical if we wake up in the morning and pray and read the Bible and pray in the Spirit. We're radical. That's not expected. Our generation doesn't expect you to live this way. Abounding love is the same regardless of what generation you live in. And I'm sorry we live in this generation, but we do. But God's word is true, and he expects love to be abounding in his children. It's time for us to get the, 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 the sweeper and get the cobwebs out and wake up and love God with a right heart. You see... And, and, and it's, no, it's no mistake because the Apostle Paul's writing this, and I want to key in on two things that he says about this abounding love. But it's for a reason. Because if there's one thing that the enemy can do, it's to gum up your walk with God. That's what he wants to do. A, a missionary, um, F.J. F. Hugel, he said one time, if, if the devil can't push you backwards... He'll make you go forwards too fast. See, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm not going back. But a lot of times he can deviate you off your path by pushing you too far forward. You got to be on guard. 
You've got to be on guard because your adversary, the devil, is walking about seeking whom he may play with. Oh, wait, no. Devour. But we, we treat it like play with because we're not on guard. We're lackadaisical in our faith. We're lackadaisical in our love. And yet we know, we know the enemy is out to devour our life, our families, our children, our nation, our schools. He's out to devour and we're just pretending like he's out to play. That's why most churches get less than 10% at their prayer meetings. You call a prayer meeting, everybody goes, ah. Ah. Prayer is where you build the fire. Look at the two things that the Apostle Paul says, because I got to get into this. Look what he said, that, uh, that your love may abound. This is verse 9 of Philippians 1. This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in, listen, knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent. You know, what he's talking about here is discerning wisdom. This abounding love will lead you into a place where you have discernment by the Spirit of God to know when things are not as excellent as they should be. Well, I know I'm not a this, but at least I'm not a that. Well, I, 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 may not, I'm, I may not be, you know, that pastor, he's crazy, right? That pastor's crazy. He's acting like we're in revival in, in Ireland or Scotland, right? I mean, he's crazy. It's, it's Panther Drive. It's not Azusa Street. What does he think this is, right? Well, I mean, we don't have to be like that. At least we're not like this. He said, you've got to have Holy Ghost knowledge, discernment, so that you can know the things that are excellent. You know what? There are things that you can do that are permissible, but they are not profitable for your spirit and your soul. It is very much permissible for you to go and eat McDonald's instead of going to prayer meeting. But which one profits the soul? And, and that's, you know, we all can see that, right? We can all see that. Yeah, it'd be better to go to prayer meeting than McDonald's. But, you know, it, it, it's permissible. Yes, it is permissible. But unless you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to discern the fact that the enemy is getting you to eat from the crumbs under the table when God has all the feast on top of the table for you. It means you're settling for second best. You're settling for less than what God has for you. You're focusing on the little when God has the much without the discerning of the spirit you don't see what is excellent you only see the bottom rung 
You know what? If the enemy can't stop you, he'll get you to live beneath your means as a blood-bought Christian. Too many believers today are living beneath their means. If all the believers in the world would get their hearts right with God, and get on fire for the presence of God and cry out for souls, cry out for the school children, cry out for the nations, we would see revival. God, God is not going to be mocked, right? We want revival, but we don't want to pay the price for it. We want to talk about it, but we don't want to experience it. I heard a minister say one time, he said, you don't want revival. He said, you don't want revival because in revival, tears fall and you don't want that. He said, in revival, in revival, the tears fall, the makeup comes off, the clothes get messed up, everybody's down on the altars, weeping and wailing, confessing and getting things right with men and with God. He said, you don't want to pay that price. You just want to keep talking about it. And that's the reality of, of the matter is many people, many people know that God can change them, but they want to stay in the crumbs under the table because there's a cost associated and that cost is called letting go of self and grabbing hold of God. God is a consuming fire, amen? And he will remove all of the issues and circumstances and when you press in and grab hold of him. He takes you to a different place. Some people want to be comfort. Some people want that comfort that, that underneath that table so they can still have a little bit of self and still have a ticket to heaven. This is the condition of the church today. We want to hold on to self with one hand and hold on to our ticket to heaven in the other hand. This is a trick from the enemy. This, this trick is called not knowing what is excellent. It is not knowing the path that is bright. It is not knowing the opportunity that God has given us through the blood of Jesus to walk in victory today, not tomorrow. Today, God can give you victory over the issue of the day today. Oh, pastor, you don't understand what it's like. I've been dealing with this all my life. You don't understand what it's like to go home with this person. You don't understand what it's like. You don't know my bills. You don't know what I got to do. No, I don't, but God does. And God will give you the ability to discern what is excellent by the spirit of God when you abound in love for God. Listen, before anything, stop, go. It is from an abounding love that discernment of the Spirit will come. Until you abound in love for God, you won't be able to discern your left hand from your right hand. You won't be able to discern second best from God's best. Not till you, not till you love God with all of your heart. Once you love God with all your heart, your eyes will open. You'll be able to see second best from God's best. Left hand from right hand. Amazing, amazing. Think about this. What if the Apostle Paul, we know he was a tent maker. What if somebody made a passing remark and said, man, you know, you're a really good tent maker. I mean, if you didn't spend so much time praying and starting churches, you know, you could probably hire some people under you 
and y'all could probably make more tents and you could get the, 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 the Paul tent business going. What if, he, what, if he, what if he started a business like that? Do you know how easy the, and look, there's nothing wrong with starting a business, is there? Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. You're supposed to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. Well, that's what the Bible says. But watch this. See how sleight of hands works? The enemy knows, look, if I can't get him going backward, at least I can push him forward in something else too much. What God used to provide for him, because Paul didn't walk around saying, give me this, give me that. Come on, y'all, give some more money to me. He didn't do all that, did he? He worked so that he didn't have to be a burden on others. He was a bivocational apostle. Try that one today. See how many quote-unquote apostles you find today that are bivocational. Now, watch this, though. He did not allow his tent-making ability to deviate him from the course of God's excellent road that God had for him. He did not allow, he did not allow his eyes to deviate off the path that God had. He chose. How did he choose? How did he know? Was he that smart? No. I'm not knocking his knowledge. I'm just saying it's through the discernment of the spirit and only through the discernment of the spirit that you will not go off track. If you don't have the Holy Ghost guiding you through this life, you will go off track. But if you have the same Holy Ghost he had, you can walk by faith knowing you're walking the road that God has for you. Not second best. How easy is it to get off track? Do we need to go through testimony time? How easy is it to get off track? You know that you can get off track real easy. Just, th just think what would have happened. You do you think we would only have 20 epistles or 19? What if he started writing epistles and he became an apostle, right? And now he's got the apostles tent making business. What if he, what if he would have allowed his life to get off track? Right? He could have. But when you're walking in the power of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have discernment like you normally don't have. If you're not walking in the Holy Ghost, if you're not walking in submission to God, if you're not walking in surrender to God, you don't have that discerning ability. The enemy, just he, he'll dangle a carrot over here. You start getting close to God, he'll dangle a donut over here. You start getting close to God over here, he'll dangle something over here. He'll dangle, uh, 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 well, you know, I always have wanted to get married. Well, I always have wanted to have, the, I always have wanted to have a, I always have, every time you get close to God, he'll dangle something else to get you off track again. And the only way you're going to know the path that God has for you is when you walk in the power of the spirit in submission to God. That's when discernment comes. Notice it comes from an abounding love. Do you know that even in Jesus' presence, people missed it? Even in Jesus' presence, people chose second best? I was just reading the other day, John uh, chapter 9. You, you, you have um, on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, somebody got healed. Right? You know that God still heals on the Sabbath? You know that every day is a Sabbath in Jesus? But God still heals on the Sabbath, and you know what? They got all worked up. Why? 
you healed, today's the Sabbath. They were choosing second best rather than God's best. God's best is when somebody gets healed. God's best was, was when a miracle came to a hurting soul. That was God's best. Second best, second best was the Sabbath. You see, they got sidetracked. They got sidetracked from God's excellence, God's power, and God's ability by focusing on the religiosity. Religion's good, but it's good in context. It's good, but it's good in context. Let me show you something in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Is God speaking to you today? God speaking to you today? You know what? God's desire is that we all abound in love. The reality of the matter is that you and I are either cultivating our walk with God or deviating from the will of God. You're either cultivating your love for God or you're deviating from the will of God. You can't do both. You can't do both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You're either going to be cultivating your love for God or you're going to deviate from God's will for your life. You might say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to love God. Amen. Stop holding back. Stop giving God second best. Stop giving God a robotic performance. Stop going through the motions. Stop being a mummy. Give God your soul. Give God your heart. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Look, in Mark chapter number 14, I want to show you this. Amazing, amazing how blind we can get. If Listen, if, you're, if, if, if you don't have a heart of cultivating this love for God, you know what I mean by cultivating it? I'm going to love God more today than yesterday. Whew, I had a great day with the Lord yesterday. It's going to be better today. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know what? I might mess up, but I'm going to be quicker to repent today. Maybe I missed my prayer time yesterday, but I'm not going to miss today. Maybe I prayed for 10 minutes yesterday. I'm going to pray for double today. Maybe I, maybe I read the Bible, but it didn't mean anything to me yesterday, but today I'm going to read it and ask for God's anointing to remove, to remove the gauze from my eyes, remove the cobwebs from my mind. Open my heart, Lord, to your word. You know what? I'm going to cultivate this walk with God. I'm going to cultivate this love for God. I'm going to grow in it. And when I'm not, I'm, de I'm going to deviate from the will of God. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing as we get into Mark 14. We're going to begin in verse number three, but watch this though. It's amazing how even when Jesus is around, people settle for second best. Even when the beauty of God is there. Hey, can I ask you a question? How much would you love to just shed your tears on his feet? How much would you love to just grab him at his ankles and love on him? 
How much would you love just to say thank you, Lord, and to, just to kiss his feet? How much would you love to worship him like that? And yet, and yet there were many that had that opportunity, but only few seized it. And do you know that today you have the opportunity to worship the Lord like that? Do you know that he's, he may not be here with a physical incarnate body, but he's here by the spirit? He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, he that is with you will be in you when I send the comforter. The Holy Ghost is God. The same God that walked on this earth indwells the believer. And until you understand that, you have, you have the opportunity to lavish a heart of praise on him, yet we choose McDonald's. We choose second best. We deviate from that opportunity to lavish our hearts on him, to fully surrender and walk in submission and obedience to him today. Look at verse number three. It's amazing. Watch this. It says, being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. You ever heard that song, Alabaster Box? It's powerful. When, when have you brought your alabaster box to the Lord? You know, a lot of, a lot of commentaries, they'll say, you know, this, this perfume box, it, it cost almost a year's wage. Some commentaries say more than a year's wage. Can you imagine? How much do you make in a year? Would you put that much, would you buy a perfume bottle worth that? And then would you break it on somebody if they weren't God? And so she gave, and, and this is not a money, you can keep your wallet in your back pocket, it's not money. She gave, she gave all that she had to the one who gave everything for her. And she was looking by faith. This is before the cross. She saw, just like Peter, right? Who do men say that I am? But who do you say that I am? He said, you are Christ, the son of God, right? She caught that same revelation. She caught it. She knew this is the very Christ that's gonna die for me. This is the one who was promised for me. And she wasn't worried about anybody else. She wasn't worried what they thought about her. She wasn't worried about them people mocking her. She wasn't worried about anything. Look, she had her eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. How about you? How about you? She didn't care. You know what? Friends come, friends go. People laugh, people mock. Maybe they cheer you on. Maybe they don't. Maybe people are there for you. Maybe they're not. But Jesus always is. He never leaves you. And he never forsakes you. He loves you. 
and he's near you. He's with you. And if you're a child of God, he's in you. So she broke the box, right? Okay. Look, I'm not a, you know, I just gave a very poor presentation of, of what she did. But can you imagine actually watching this? Can you imagine actually watching this? We would be going like, I want an alabaster box too. I want to break one too. I want to worship him at his feet too, right? Most of us would be anyways. Some of us would be like, where's the donuts at? Honestly. There was people there. They were eating. They said they sat at meat. They saw this woman come up, and they were just like, man, what is she doing? Doesn't she know we're eating? I mean, we're right in the middle of dinner, and she's crying. Doesn't she know what's important? Right? They had turkey casserole. They had fried chicken. They had all this stuff laid out. And this, here this woman comes crying and weeping at the feet of Christ the Lamb. She was choosing the excellent path. She had love that was abounding. And God was giving her discernment for the excellent path, not second best. She said, y'all can eat those green beans. Y'all can eat that casserole. I'm going to eat the manna from heaven. I'm going to come and partake from the bread of life. I'm going to worship at the feet of the Lamb of God. I'm going to give him all that I've got. Woo. But do you, you know, she can be, she, she chose that excellent path because that love was abounding. Evidently, she caught, a, she caught a revelation from God about who this was. Right? You, you've heard that saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But you know what? When you get a revelation, you're going to drink. You get a revelation of how much God loves you and what he did for you on the cross, you'll drink. But look at this next verse. She poured, she broke the box and she poured it on his head and there were some that had indignation within themselves. Who does she think she is? I mean, we're eating green beans. Who does this woman think she is interrupting our meal? And do you know that when you begin to find fault with somebody, that the devil will give you a magnifying glass and you will find something they've done wrong even when they've done it for God. Pastor calling a prayer meeting. He just wants me to miss Monday night football. Yep, you can find a fault with anybody. You want to find a fault, the devil will give you a magnifying glass, you'll find it because we're all human. I mean, who does she think she is pouring this box on his feet? Indignation and not righteous. Who does she think she is? 
what happened? What happened is they were deviating from the will of God. They were deviating from the will of God because love was not abounding. When love does not abound, we begin to deviate because that's who we are. We deviate when love does not abound. If you don't want to cultivate it, you're going to deviate from it. There were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble you her? She wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. You know, it's good to do good to the poor. It's good to think on those that don't have. It's good to give to those without. But if we're not giving all to God first, we're deviating from the will of God. Our first and foremost priority as God's creation is to glorify and worship God with all that we have. And it, until then, and until then, it doesn't mean anything. See, they wanted to give God leftovers. Well, hey, I'm sitting here eating. I'm eating with you. And here comes somebody passing me up, worshiping you, crying, giving to you. This would be like somebody at church, right? You're singing, I got the joy, 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 like you're sad, sad, sad. I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Right? And then somebody, somebody dares to come to church with a clap in their heart. Oh, I got the joy, joy. You see somebody do that and everybody goes, who do they think they are? Here I am giving God my second best. They're disturbing my sleepwalking through worship. They're disturbing me not giving God my heart and soul. They're challenging my shrinking back from duty of love. How dare they? but you're not going to quiet a worshiper down. You're not going to quiet a worshiper down. A worshiper is going to worship whether you like it or not. You meet somebody whose God has changed their life, who knows their sins was paid for at Calvary. They don't bear them no more. My burdens are lifted at Calvary. You're not going to stop this worshiper. You're not going to stop the praise from rising up. You're not going to stop the ointment from falling on his feet. He's worthy of this ointment. He bought it. He bought it, right? And, and, and look, they had their magnifying glass out. They were like, okay, this could have been given to the poor. Now, you know that wasn't the thought on their heart, right? Right? That wasn't the thought on their heart. 
They were just looking for a cause. They said they murmured. When, they, when you begin to murmur, the devil comes running. Here's a big old magnifying glass called the murmurer. You can find fault with anybody. Even if you got to make it up, you can be pathological and start believing a lie. You can make it up about anybody. You can find fault with anybody. Why? Well, number one, because they're human. And number two, when you become a fault finder, your eyes get real big and not towards Jesus. You take your eyes from where they're supposed to be and you start figuring out, oh, they should have done that. They could have done that. They should have done this. Why aren't they doing that? They should have done, they should have done. You can run them down, right? Well, you know, do you know that, that this woman, listen, that, and I want you to hear this. I really want you to hear this part. This woman could have, listen, she could have taken that ointment, sold it, and given it to all the poor people in Bethany. Would that have been a good thing? That would have been a good thing. That would have been a blessed thing. The, those people, listen, those people would have been extremely blessed by those pennies or dollars. They would have been blessed. But that was not God's will for her and for that ointment. That would have been second best. That would have been living underneath the table of God instead of partaking from the table of God. That would have been living beneath the means when God had something richly and deeply better for her. It was when she chose to let her love abound, she decided, you know what? He's worth all this. I'm going to break it on his feet. I'm going to pour out this ointment on him. That's when she walked in the perfect will of God. Some people will settle for second best. You know why? Because it doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost you to go through the motions. It doesn't cost you to love without feelings. It doesn't cost you to serve without a heart of love. It's when you cultivate an abounding love for God that everything changes. Everything changes when you decide to cultivate your love for God. And until then, you're going to keep going through the motions. You're going to keep giving God the leftovers. You're going to keep giving the second best and you're going to keep living beneath the means and the power and the ability and the blessing that God has for you. You're doing it to your own detriment, but you're putting cotton balls in your ears so you don't have to hear it. The spirit is convicting. Like Paul on the road to Damascus, kicking against the pricks. You're pushing back against the pricks of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's saying there's more. There's more for you. 
There's more for you when you begin to abound in love for God. You'll begin to walk in the, in the will of God, fulfilling the call of God for your life. And this woman, this woman chose God's will. She chose what was best. And those disciples that were so smart, those disciples who had been educated for three years with Jesus, those disciples who were just all that, they had the business card that said disciple and everything else. They were living beneath the means that God had for them. So don't be deceived. If the enemy can't get you to go backwards, he's going to push you forwards and not straight ahead, but just ever so slightly deviating off the path you're supposed to be on. You'll look, you, you might give you this. You might start out as an apostle who paves the way through making tents, but you'll end up being a tent maker who from time to time makes it to church. And the only way, the only way to stay on that straight and narrow highway of holiness, old path, however you want to characterize it, the only way to do it is to keep your heart cultivated in love for God. That love would abound. Lord, help me to love you more today than yesterday. Lord, we thank you that it is not, it, it is not based on our performance, but it's based on the seeing by faith what you did at Calvary. Once we know, once we get a revelation of God's love at Calvary, Lord, we'll live a life of submission. We'll break our ointment on your feet. We'll follow after you and none other. We will not follow the voice of any other but the voice of the shepherd of the soul of man. We will not follow. We will not follow the devil. We will not follow the voice of doubt. We will not follow second best. We will not live under the table when you've got the whole meal spread out for us top God has a call on your life you may not be an apostle but he's got a call on your life and the only way to fulfill it is when you get full of the Holy Ghost live a life of surrender and you cultivate your love for God day by day don't let your love wax cold Jesus told the church of Laodicea, right? Repent, repent, return to your first love and what? Be zealous. Be consumed with loving God. Be zealous. Get some fire. Where do you get it? From God. How do you get it? Tarry before God. Tarry at those altars. Tarry on your knees. Tarry before God. Get full of God. Be zealous and return to your first love for God. Amen. And until you do that, until you do that, 
you're going to do the opposite of what Paul did. You're going to become a tent maker who from time to time makes it to church instead of an apostle who paves the way through tent making. Don't choose second best. Choose God's best. Choose God's best. Don't deviate. Don't deviate. Look, the enemy's plan is for you to limp through and deviate. Again, do you think if the enemy could have done anything, look, he could have done anything, he would have caused Paul to make a tent-making business? He would have done anything, anything to make this apostle begin to make tents and stop going to church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord.